Hello and welcome to the Podpolecast, the official podcast of the Podpol. You can check us out on Twitter at Podpolecast, or you can check out the Podpol Twitter at Podpol. You can also go over to podcasterpoll.com for some interesting semi-regular articles. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the Pod Poll is a poll voted on weekly by podcasters in the FBS from across the country, representing every corner of the league. And today I am joined by OK State Probs, one of the earliest voters to hop on the uh, bandwagon that has become what this is. I shouldn't call it a bandwagon until people actually care, but we'll get there. So introduce yourself. Let's hear out uh, where to find you, because I do like your Twitter account. It's one of the better ones from among the podcasts I'm following. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so OK State Probs, um, it's at OKSDPROBS, uh, the Probcast on Spotify. Um, but I, it's a pleasure coming on, man. Uh, I know that we've had some complications getting on and everything like that, even getting on uh, how we were recording today. Uh, took us a second, so I'm excited to be here. Yes, I, I will say uh, for reference to anyone who isn't us that um, usually whenever I've been scheduling these, it has been one or two tries and then it's good to go. Uh, I think we're up to four or five now. So, And then this one almost didn't happen. So very happy that it's here and it has been a long-awaited time. So uh, let's just jump right into it. And let's look at the most important point for any college football team, that little number next to their name. Now, we all know as college football fans that the quality of the team doesn't matter. None of the specifics matter. It doesn't matter who you play. It just matters how many wins you get. So let's take a look at the schedule, where that all comes from, and where all of that matters that in college football comes from. So what do you see in the schedule? Do you think it's going to be an easy one comparatively, a hard one comparatively, just where do you think Oklahoma State lies in the realm of luck or unluckiness? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when it comes to Oklahoma State, um, personally, I grew up in the DFW area. Uh, a lot of my family played college football, pro football, so I kind of grew up all around it. Um, I was the only one to go to Oklahoma State or out of state for that fact. So um, I always kind of looked at Oklahoma State as like the best underdog. Uh, I feel like they're underrated most of the time. Um, and speaking specifically on the schedule, I, you know, Vegas has, what, what six and a half over under. Um, and the only time we finished under on six and a half wins was Mike Gundy's first year in 2005. And so, I mean, the, we, we're it, it's crazy to think that, you know, people see that the portal kind of all happen in one day. Um, it's gotten a lot better since then. And, and I, I just couldn't see them you know, losing more than six games for this season personally. I mean, the only uh, four teams that are supposed to finish better than us this year uh, by Vegas odds, we don't play them. You know, they got this wonky schedule. We only play one Texas team this year, and it's one of the newcomers being Houston. So yeah, like, I, I will say that having Houston on your schedule is a little bit of a luck out. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, we couldn't have had a family member working for the Big 12 uh, to get a schedule like this. Uh, I think that with OU and Texas leaving, I think, um, and this is going to be a little bit of a biased take, but I think that the Big 12 is trying to kind of look for a new flagship uh, to represent. Texas hasn't always been there. OU did a really good job, um, but they're trying to kind of make it easy for Oklahoma State. That way it doesn't look like, you know, all hell is going to break loose by the end of this. Well, certainly conspiracy theories are well, well welcome on this. Uh <laughs> And, heck, maybe con uh, considering the argument you make, it's not even a conspiracy theory. It's 
probably the case. But beyond that, I mean, you look at the schedule and it's you're opening up against Central Arkansas, Arizona State, South Alabama. Do you see a 3-0 in there or do you think Arizona State has some trick up their sleeve? Yeah, um, Arizona State, I mean, what, they just got a brand new coach. Uh, Oklahoma State's done a number on them before, so I'm not too nervous. I mean, we're going to Arizona, but um, if you look at the way Oklahoma State's played every time they've played in Arizona outside of the bowl game this last year, which we already ran ragged at that point, um, I mean, we typically own the state of Arizona. Between beating Arizona State last year, uh, the Fiesta Bowl in 2011, beating Stanford with Andrew Luck, and then winning the Fiesta Bowl in 2021, uh, Arizona State is almost like uh, one of those those wild states where Oklahoma State kind of gets things done. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, to be completely honest, I think that Arizona State is not going to be in the best position. And beyond that, with losing uh, in the uh, at the end of last season, to be completely honest, I think that you can kind of discount the second half of last year for Oklahoma State when you're talking about 2023 because there's going to be solutions that are found and heck even the reoccurring problems what is crossing over between the offseason I I have faith in Mike Gundy I mean he's been there for 19 years now I think he knows what he's doing yeah um, Gundy typically has a good head on his shoulders and you know every year it seems like uh, Oklahoma State's counted out, and, and they typically hang in there. I mean, as long as we can get the monkey off our back with Oklahoma, uh, typically things work out for us. Um, I actually just looked it up. It would be Kenny Dillingham is going to be the coach of Arizona State. He'll be the youngest FBS coach uh, in the country next year. So that, that, ought, to be, that ought to be something uh, worth looking into. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, Gandhi typically gets things done in that situation. Yeah, but it will be interesting to see how the defense plays with a brand new defensive co- uh, coordinator in Brian Nardo, and it's probably on my alt uh, all name team for this coming season, uh, Joe Bob Clements, because yeah. Joe Bob is a wonderful name. Yeah, that's very Oklahoma. Yeah, and then but down to the issue of it, Brian Nardo and Joe Bob Clements aren't really notable names they're not names that i would know that probably a lot of people that are oklahoma state fans going into this year would know so what do you think comes out of them yeah i mean um it's, it's kind of the same story uh and you know gundy likes finding these guys that uh kind of come out of nowhere um and then they produce them i mean you look at the guys that uh got, have left our program uh that's a jim Knowles after coaching that great defense in 2021 at oklahoma state now he's over at ohio state uh, Yurkich, um, went to Ohio state right after like 2019, I believe he was an offensive coordinator. I mean, this, this is just like, that's like the most Gundy hire ever to go get Brian Nardo. Cause I mean, anytime you see someone that Gundy hires and it's like, the question is who afterwards, uh, it typically makes more sense. Um, I was super excited about, um, about, uh, the Auburn defensive coordinator, Derek Mason. Um, I really liked him, but you know, he had his family issues and whatnot. So he catched for a year. Um, and he was off with it. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of got some of that insider information right before he was leaving, and, and it shocked me. But, I, I mean, like you said, Gundy's a pretty seasoned veteran, so this isn't going to be something new to him. Yeah, and then you're also supplemented by a fourth-season offensive coordinator in Casey Dunn. I mean, coordinators kind of come and go a lot in the current football landscape. 
whether it be professional or college especially and having someone for four years and having that connection between head coach and coordinator it is very helpful I mean you see it in even Kansas going into this season where their entire top three coaching staff are consistent from when Lance Leipold was hired and we've seen that they have been able to improve and that consistency has brought them at least success in the eyes of what Kansas traditionally is. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and when, when it comes to uh, these schools like Kansas showing up and uh, everything like that, I think the, the future is bright for the big 12 in general. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of this, uh, the college is moving around and everything like that um, for these, uh, what do they call it? Uh, they're, they're rezoning all the contract. Oh my God. Uh, realignment. Yeah, the conference realignment. My God, I couldn't think of it. Um, yeah, with all the conference realignment and everything like that going on, I mean, it's it's going to be wild to see what goes on. And a lot of people are saying it's going to be a two-conference system. But personally, I think the two conferences aren't the SEC and the Big Ten. It's going to be Fox Sports versus ESPN. And where Oklahoma State or the rest of the Big 12 winds up in that situation, I mean, it, it's all up to them, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And I think as long as one of those two broadcasting agencies has any kind of a grip on more than one conference, I think it's in their interests to keep it as more than one conference. Uh, Just for the competition, having different leagues where you're not going to have one standout program, now you can have two standout programs that fight each other in the very end, which is money. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that there is, has been sort of a problem. I mean, it's it's the same schools showing up for the college football playoffs every year. Now, granted, they're given the expansion, but at the same time, you know, you look at uh, who it's been in, the, in these scenarios and with a couple different situations in there, like a 2011 Oklahoma State or a 2014 TCU, I mean, ultimately something needed to change. And, and I think this is going to be a fun reshuffle. And it's just going to hurt a lot of people's feelings in the beginning, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Pac-12 and the ACC because there's so much unknown right now. Now, if you're asking me, I would say when it comes to the Pac-12, nothing new happens. And I know that's not necessarily the most uh, common take, I'll say. But then even in the ACC, I say nothing happens. I think it's all talk. I don't think that teams are going to be leaving. I think what's happening is the ACC is trying to, is getting these teams where they're going to say, we want out of the media deal. But the reason they're doing that is because their media deal is till 2036, I believe. And so they're not going to be able to get more money. But the key is that they can make more money. It's just they've locked themselves into a deal when there wasn't competition. So I think that the ACC is probably going to try to work with these teams. I think the Pac-12 is going to do it a little less successfully. (laughs) Um, And I think we're going to see that maybe these conferences lose one or two teams, but they're not going to crumble. And at the very worst, they're going to just poach from their uh, basically um, second-tier equivalents like the ACC is going to steal from the AAC and the Pac-12 is going to steal uh, from the Mountain West because that's just the way it has been forever. 
Yeah, and and you know, I, I hear the concerns, especially because like FSU is is kind of carrying the conference in terms of uh, uh, the media rights deals and everything. And and from what I heard is that FSU kind of started this ball with the ACC because they were saying that in no world UCF should be making more money than them. And I and I agree with them. I don't think UCF should be making more money in media right deals than FSU. And I, I think that's kind of what got the ball rolling. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine so much coming from it, but I mean, so, something's about, I, I think it's about to be a, a bigger shift than we realized in the next five years. Like we'll be looking back thinking about, oh my God, can you remember this, this, and this? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Now, here's to hoping that by the time this episode airs, uh, I am not proven completely wrong. But even so, I'll make sure to put it out there because my incorrect opinions are still my opinions that I had. And I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I mean, it's if, if someone knew all about uh, what was going to happen, I mean, they'd be a re- very wealthy human being. But um, the best part of it is, man, ne- none of us know what's going to happen. So that's kind of the most interesting part, if that makes sense. So you think that they're going to start 3-0, uh, going back to where we were to start all of yeah. this? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Oklahoma State starting off 3-0. Um, I mean, that's pretty formidable, in my opinion. You, you're, we're playing, what, uh, Central Arkansas School of the Blind. Um, that's going to be an easy win. Uh, we go to Arizona State. They got a brand-new coach who's the youngest in FBS history going against a guy who's a very seasoned veteran and knows his team well. Uh, then to South, or then we have South Alabama at home. That that'll be great. Now the only issue is that we might lose to Iowa State following that because if you look at history, uh, and knock on wood, but anytime Oklahoma State gets hot, typically Iowa State for some reason shows up to the party. Yeah, that would be very unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, even 2011, that's what held us back, and then 2021, we lost uh, to Iowa State, and both of those held us out of the. Well, what would have been college football playoffs, but national championship in 2011, the college football playoffs in 2021. Now, I do want to mention, though, that you shouldn't completely overlook the uh, South Alabama team because I believe that they received votes in this most recent pod poll. So there's something there. I think they can receive all the votes they want. (laughs) I just read preseason hype. Fair enough. Well, to be fair, uh, Colorado got, I think, 20 votes. So doesn't mean all that much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from South Alabama, but, I mean, it's it's a different ball game. Yeah, and there is that very, very notable skill gap, and that's just the way it is. Because with, uh, with a sport like basketball, even if you're a St. Francis team— you're going to have that opportunity to kind of compete with the big dogs. But in college football, there's a reason that it's subdivided. You can't, the, a school like Central Arkansas or Duquesne isn't going to be able to compete with the Alabamas, plain and simple. Yeah, no, I see their Vegas win total is uh, eight wins. That, that's interesting, man. The Sun Belt must be on something this year. Well, the Sun Belt's, hey, Sun Belt, Fun Belt. They're not all that bad. Yeah. I'm not opposed to the Sun Belts at all. I'm not, I, I like the Sun Belt. I, I love the G5 uh, schools, and you know, I, I wish them all well. Yeah, but uh, it is a little bit of a different league, admittedly. But at the same time, never discount them. I think that no matter who you're up against, uh, whenever they're going to be an FBS opponent and they're not in a 
down year for that team, you can't overlook them. And I think that once you come off 2-0, assuming, and then you reach South Alabama going in uh, the next week into uh, Ames to go against Iowa State, I mean, that's a game you can overlook. I think that's a little bit of a spoiler in the making, but I mean, I would still say 98% of the time Oklahoma State wins that game. And I'm not going to I'm not going to claim otherwise. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, um, no, but then Iowa State, I mean, Iowa State's just not in a great place right now. And, yeah, I'm, Iowa State typically underperforms. I mean, they're this, what this was their first uh uh this year they had their first overall or first round pick in the NFL for the first time in like 47 years. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, the Iowa State, they're in a tough spot. Um, I mean, they were, they had so much promise just a couple of years ago, but I mean, they can always come back is the issue. They're not, they're not gone. They're still there. It's still going to be Matt Campbell in his eighth season. It'll be, yes, a new offensive coordinator, but then you also have eighth season defense coordinator, John Heacock. I mean, it's it's still Iowa State. It's still a team that's formidable, and I I could see where the fear is for taking a hit as Oklahoma State. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Iowa State's just always that one that sneaks up on us. And I love like every Iowa State fan I've ran into. I, I love them. Uh, you know, uh, God, I, I don't know where he is, uh, but Cyclone Larry on on Twitter is one of the best accounts. If you don't follow him, he actually. Uh, uh, he's taking a hiatus right now, but man, if you don't follow him, he's one of the best social media accounts for college football out there. Um, oh yeah, I, I've I just pray that one day we'll find out where that beer took him. Yeah, all right, sweet. Yeah, so we're on the same trail. I don't have to explain much, man. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we've been following each other for probably uh, almost uh, five, six years, something like that. Yeah, so I, I don't know what happened, but yeah, he was always my favorite account to interact with from Iowa State, and, and he, he kept him relevant on Twitter, uh, but. I got a bunch of friends who went to Iowa State, man, and it's a party school. You know, it's, it's a great time, but um, yeah, they they happen to show up at the worst times for Oklahoma State. Yeah, fair enough. And then you followed up against Kansas State, then Kansas, both at home. Pretty good spot to be in. Kansas State lost a lot this off season, but they're still yeah, a threat. And then Kansas, yeah, Kansas isn't a pushover anymore. Now, well, they're not as easy of a pushover anymore. No, not at all. I, I like I like Kansas. Um, you know, they they're getting their uh uh quarterback, uh the the dude who started the season who might have been in Heisman watch. He he was an absolute stud. I really liked watching him. He he brought uh ESPN game day to uh Lawrence, Kansas, man, and and he did an, an absolute uh hell of a job at the beginning of the season. And I think they're gonna do great. Um you know, if you if you look at one of the things I was laughing about this last year, everyone except Oklahoma stormed the field whenever they beat Oklahoma State. Now, did Kansas storm the field because, you know, they, they just made their first bowl game in a million years? Or was it good just because they beat Oklahoma State? I don't know, but it made me feel really good that every single person thought it, we're so great that they had to storm the field, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it absolutely does. I mean, that, that, is, an, that is a great stat to be behind. Oh. <laughs> Always makes me feel good. And, like, you know, a lot of these blue bloods are like, oh, we're too good to storm the field. Oh, I know I've run into a lot of OU fans that say that, or uh, Texas fans, or Alabama, whoever it may be. And they, they tell me and I'm, that, you know, they, they would never storm the field. And I'm like, well, that must suck because 
well, we win national championships. I'm like, dude, none of your recruits were alive the last time you won a national championship at OU. You know, it, it, it's fun storming the field, and it's it's part of the college culture, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, and unfortunately, as an ACC fan, I haven't had much of that experience. Um, my home team, they play in a uh, professional stadium, and the yeah. one time that we were thinking, oh, this this might be it. We should, we should rush the field. Um Lo and behold, uh, someone a few rows behind me uh, yelled out, don't rush the field. This is a professional stadium. You'll get arrested. <laughs> it's like, no, let it happen. Have you um, seen uh, the SEC saying they were going to take away home field games? If that oh, happens? yeah, that's okay. What is the SEC doing? Do they just hate the sport? Well, I mean, if you think about it logically, um, if – you're going to lose a home game if someone storms the field. Isn't the best thing you can do go to your rival school and just go storm the field? Yeah, just uh, show up in a bunch of their shirts and think. Yeah, I mean, all right, guys, this is this is the day. time. Maybe I switched. You know, maybe maybe I'm a trans fan and I, and I moved on, man, man. Like go down there and just steal a home game away from them. Actually, that would be one of the greatest. Um, college pranks of all time against your rival like if you Dude, just it's, got like it's college football people yeah. will do it if you just got went out and got if you say you're an auburn fan so you just went out got all the frats and you gave them all every single one the cheapest alabama uh t-shirt you could find and told them okay next uh, next week we're all gonna go and get nosebleed seats and we're gonna walk down and at the end of the game, no matter what happened, we're all going on the field. I yeah. mean that that would oh man, that's an idea that uh that might get some people in trouble. But that's a yeah. Ooh. I mean, I, I, it, it, it's anything to win, right? I mean, like I mean, the, the the ultimate thing I can get out of this is bragging rights, so I don't have to walk out to my mailbox and see my neighbor talking about the game the night before whenever we lost to them. So. I mean, if, if that's all it takes is going and running on the field, I mean, I'll, I'll do that for a year's worth of bragging rights. Yeah, I mean, ooh, the SEC might have to rethink some of this. <laughs> you know, that's not going to work, especially with people in uh, time on their hands and nowhere Alabama. Yeah, um, and oh, especially if it's a team like, uh, say, uh, Mississippi State, where, I mean, you're there's nothing to do. You, you could just go to Ole Miss at some point, drive down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it's wild, man. It's, it's definitely something to think about. Now, I don't think that it will work in the Pac-12 because people have other things to do. And, I mean, if their football team sucked there, they just want to show up to the games. So, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Pac-12, it, there's also just not as much of a – I mean, UCLA could have the greatest season in their entire program history, and they will never sell out that stadium. And which is yeah, terrible, but oh my gosh, it's just not a not a thing. And you know, I got some friends out on the West Coast, and they're like, "We just have better things to do." And I'm like, "Well, that must fucking suck." Because when it comes to college football, I mean, that's the only thing I want to do. Yeah, I'm. I don't even think it's better things to do. I think just the Pac-12 has kind of fallen flat. Because um, I mean, like, look at Fresno State. Fresno State has an amazing fan base, and they have they're like legitimately invested they really care i don't think yeah. fresno uh, people in fresno have anything less available to them than someone in stanford 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I hear you. Like, um, you know, one of my buddies is, uh, uh, Barry Sanders jr. Um, he played over at Stanford and he was explaining to me, they have like a weird block schedule, um, either for like their classes and whatnot. And the way that it works is like, um, I mean, I don't even know exactly how to describe it, but half the, the student base won't even be there at the beginning of the season. So it's, it's just like, they, they just do things a little bit backwards there. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that the schools just don't care about sports, which outside of Oregon and uh, outside of the Oregon and Washington teams, I think that they care, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. The um, California teams are, and even to an extent, the Arizona teams, but I think the Arizona teams try, but like the California teams, they need to step it up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're doing a better job getting Lincoln Riley and, and Caleb Williams there, which I was super excited about. It was the best hangover I ever had was uh, watching Oklahoma State beat the Sooners at their peak. And then uh, Lincoln Riley taking a hitch, hitching his wagon to go out west uh, the next morning. That made me feel pretty good. So, I mean, I got nothing bad to say about him rolling out there. But yeah, I think there's some good things to come. I, I, I think it's a little odd that they're joining the Big Ten. But I mean, hell, I, I think it's going to be better for uh, not only usc but the the los angeles area that you know ohio state gets to play there michigan gets to play there penn state gets to play there yeah of course it's going to be a little bit cold and i'm pretty sure the stat is that usc hasn't played in a snow game since 1947 so like yeah it's it's, it's going to get a little bit weird but i mean what's what's november in uh ann arbor like compared to anywhere else in the country i mean yeah it's a lot colder but it's not like it's a damn blizzard well i mean it can be <laughs> uh, I I will be very excited on the day when uh USC or UCLA team um has been playing in 60 70 degree heat and they go up to a Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin or especially like a Minnesota and they get up there and it's just feet of snow and it's like negative 10 and I that will be an amazing day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when it when it comes to snow in Michigan, it's like what mid November is kind of when it starts kicking in. I mean, there's only two games left in the season at that point, and you're looking at uh, a, a conference championship game and then a bowl game afterwards. So I, I don't think it'll be too much a test. I mean, you know, I, I think it'll I think it'll be all right, and you know, I think USC is going to do great in the Big Ten. I think. UCLA is going to do great in the Big Ten. And just like I said in the beginning, you know, it was just time for a reshuffle, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think it's great that the schools in the West are going to, more of them, I should say, are going to have very good competition because USC is still playing Notre Dame every year. Um, yeah. And so it, it's going to be really interesting to see these kind of super conferences because as much as I'm against them in just the idea that I love regional conferences, I love the idea of down the road rivalries. It, but yeah. it, it's it is nice to see where, I mean, you get USC playing Michigan in a conference game. I mean, that's great football. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one of the things that kind of robbed robbed me a little bit, especially because OU and Texas kind of kicked it off with the conference realignment was. Um, you know, a, a lot of these games, whenever I was a student at Oklahoma State, um, granted, I got to go to Morgantown for a game, um, but that, that was a whole lot of plans 
like a year ahead and everything like that. But, you know, I liked, uh, I liked going down to Texas and going to Waco, Texas or Austin or Fort Worth or, you know, somewhere it was like easy travel. And it, as a broke college student, it wasn't like I had to do a whole lot. And, you know, that's where a lot of the alumni bases. So I feel like that's kind of where more of what's going on is getting robbed. Um, but I also see the other side, you know, I, I, I would rather see Texas and Alabama play almost annually. I'd, I'd rather see OU uh, go into Georgia and, you know, things like that. Um, and and maybe it's just maybe the grass just looks greener from this side. But uh, ultimately, I think there's going to be a lot of pros and cons that go into this. But the regionalized definitely in the con side. Yeah, I'm it. I'm in. I'm a Pitt fan, as any listener of, or follower of mine will know, and I try to stay uh, neutral with my opinions. Uh, just a couple weeks back, talked a lot of Penn State football, um, admitted some th- problems with my own team, <laughs> um, but it's a little tough because like, I've been a Pitt fan literally my entire life. Uh, from the day I was born, my family already had season tickets. And now I'm a student, and in all of this time, I've been to four away games. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I went, I went to two at Notre Dame because Pitt plays Notre Dame uh, very frequently. And I mean, you can't just not go to a Notre Dame game. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I in the 2021 season, I went to the Tennessee game and the Virginia Tech game because I wanted to see Kenny play. But yep. I mean, I had, we had to drive to Tennessee. We went to Knoxville from Pittsburgh, yeah. and then Virginia Tech. We had to go to Blacksburg, Virginia. I, I mean, it was a two day trip. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know that a, a lot of a lot of the trips can get pretty expensive whenever you're, uh, um, whenever you're in college. And uh, you know, one one of the big things that I liked about the regionalized is typically. You know, I knew someone whose whose family lived there, and we could crash their parents' place or uh, whatever it be. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I couldn't imagine any USC or UCLA students really taking out trips to go up to Ohio. Yeah, I'm, it's just not going to happen. Like, but that I think that is something that's going to be lost for a lot of teams where USC and UCLA are. They're not going to be able to have a thing where you can go down for just that Saturday and go to the Stanford game. You can't drive to the Cal Berkeley game. It's gone. It's done. Yeah. No, I, I there's agree. never going to be a, oh, let's just hop in the car, hop on, uh, uh, get on the web, find some tickets, and go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to be uh, a lot different for the future of uh, students and you know, how much that influences where they're going to go to school, probably not. Would it have influenced me? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I grew up 20 minutes away from TCU Stadium. Um, my stepdad's in the Hall of Fame for football with them. And, you know, I used to love to go to away games and how close they were and everything like that. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be the deal anymore. Yeah, I mean, it. it's kind of uh, with the era of everything being based on TV ratings, it's it loses a lot of its uh, loveliness and its sparkle, but hey, football is football. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely gonna be interesting these next couple of years for sure. Yeah, I don't. Uh, but again, circling back, uh, 
then we follow up the Kansas <laughs> the Kansases with uh, West Virginia and Cincinnati. I think Oklahoma State breezes through those games. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, obviously we're going to get Kansas at home. Then we're going to travel across the country to West Virginia. Uh, then we get Cincinnati again. Um, I'm interested to see where Cincinnati. Guys, look at who they have, but for us, yeah. So they have. They're going to go to I. Okay, yeah. So they're going to Iowa State, and then they're going to. Uh, then they have Baylor at home, and then they uh, travel on the road to Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. With Luke Fickle gone, I think it's going to be a, more of a test year. Uh, I think it was pretty bad that he left in the middle of all this because uh, when they kind of need him the most. Um, but yeah, I mean, West Virginia is typically a write-off for us. Um, it, that they are some. Of the, I know you probably don't want to hear this. They are some of the nicest fans I've ever met. Um, I, being up in Morgantown, man, they were very welcoming. Uh, I had a lot of friends on the team, and they didn't say that they were very welcoming. But I didn't well, see that. Well, I, I will. I will say. Um... West Virginia fans, I'm sure they're it, – it's like Tennessee. Everyone talks about how Tennessee had these like terrible fans. But then I went down to Tennessee, and, I mean, I walked with this guy all the way from the parking lot to the stadium. I mean, we had a great time. Everyone was super friendly. But that's because we were some random ACC team. They didn't know who we were, and they didn't care. Yeah. And, and, but then people, with WVU yeah. – I'm sure that they look at Oklahoma State. I, they look at the entire Big Twelve and they think, "Oh, we don't care about them. They're they, they're not the people we that matter." And they they care about Marshall, Penn State, Pitt, those teams, and then yeah, and Virginia um, Tech. But I I do want to say uh, to cut out uh, cut out that um, West Virginia fans being nice story. Uh, one of the stories that. I've been waiting to tell is that at one point before I was around my older brothers and my dad went to a game uh, at Heinz or maybe it was Pitt Stadium at the time I when I don't know it was before me yeah. um, and the West Virginia was just crushing Pitt I mean it was over so midway through the fourth quarter my dad gets up with his 12 year old 10 year old and seven year old and he stands up and he starts walking out and the west virginia fan behind him is starts yelling at him going yeah you go home you and then he starts like yelling these swears at my dad and my dad just turns around he's like what the heck are you doing (laughs) like what is this yeah and and i think that you know especially whenever you get you, it's kind of the same arguments over and over with certain fans. So um, seeing someone from out of conference or uh, further away, you know, it, it's a different ball game. I mean, I, I, I know every argument that any big 12 uh, school is going to make with me on social media. Um, and where, when it comes to like going to see people, cause people are nicer in person. People are not the same ways in oh, Twitter yeah. than they are in person. And um, when it, when it comes to seeing people, I mean, it, it was annoying being in Oklahoma and you, you meet all these OU fans and, and they, they have something to say, you know, they're going to remind you the the Bedlam record every year. They're going to tell you about, you know, what, what they've been doing. And, and, and they're kind of blind to the fact, in, in my opinion. Now I've met people out of conference that have told me Oklahoma fans were super nice to them. Um, that hasn't been my experience, but you know, like, like we've been saying, like you know, you're around someone enough, obviously it's going to get annoying. Well, and then beyond that, I, I think that it's, it's kind of the beauty of college football. And I've mentioned it before, but it's, yeah, I mean, you 
play football against some random team um and you love it because it's football and it matters you win the game you're happy you lose the game you go home distraught and you uh cry yourself to sleep but then sometimes you go against this team and especially like with in-state rivalries or just down the road rivalries like you go to the game and you're you care like part of you is on the line in that and with like a professional sport yeah you have the rivalries yeah sometimes you get good reason behind them and you can get some passion but i don't think that it can compare to the most passionate you can feel from like college football where college football is like if you are a michigan fan you care about Ohio State yeah you can go out and play Minnesota one year and you know you just watch the football but when you go against Ohio State in the game it matters fundamentally to you yeah Yeah, no absolutely I mean it it, those those rivalry games are what makes it and a lot of that is regionalized like we've been talking about um you know as an Oklahoma State grad I'm living in uh the DFW uh but I graduated a year ago and the last year I've been living out in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, where I was working for NASCAR. And man, um, I didn't run into, well, I ran into one Oklahoma State fan. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's, it's just different conversations. Um, you know, I've talked to UCF fans, but you know, it's UCF. You know, they, they haven't even played Oklahoma State. Um, but for the most part, I mean, what, what do I have to say to Florida, Florida State, or University of Miami fans? Um, it's just not as fun, um, especially for guys like me that are big into college football. Uh, I kind of like being more in the regionalized areas. Yeah. And, when it comes to the Cincinnati game, I do want to mention that, and I've said this before on the podcast, um, and I'm I'll, I'm still waiting on uh, what the suitable punishment should be, but I am willing to put a hell of a lot on the line and die on the hill that Cincinnati, there's no way they win seven games. Yeah, no I, what, what's way. Over-under. Oh, I ooh, I couldn't tell you. I tweeted earlier. Today. It should be zero. <laughs> yeah, over under. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I yeah. It's uh, Scott yeah. Satterfield. Cincinnati is, is four and a half. Four and a half. Yep. Oh, that's Another actually a very. That's a pretty fair over under. Um, yeah, I mean four four and a half. They're going to be traveling a lot. Um, I think I think it'll be a little difficult for them. Um, I, I think but, they, I think they beat Houston, they beat Miami, Ohio, they beat Eastern Kentucky. But I don't, I don't think they could win more than that. Actually, and I'm looking at their schedule now, and geez, I think, I think I take the under. Four and a half. I, I try to stay away from betting on like uh, I, I used to say just my teams, but I mean, unless it's like a single game, it, it's hard for me to bet seasons oh, yeah. on the conference that I'm in. Yeah, well, Scott Satterfield, I mean, and, and this is this is what I was going to take the punishment for. Scott Satterfield, as a coach, I do not believe that he has any idea what he's doing. I, I just don't believe that he has a semblance of ability to coach this Cincinnati team to success. Now, if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. And Cincinnati will 
be fine. And all the Cincinnati fans who uh, took the time to listen to this will be able to say, oh, look at look at that guy. Look at Dionysius over here. Look at the pod pole. Look how stupid he is. But guess what? For now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say with 100% certainty that I take the under. I think Cincinnati wins tops three games. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be that great. And a lot of these new new schools coming in, I, I think it's going to take them some time, uh, just because of depth. I mean, yeah, sure, you, you, it, you can have some depth and then make a lot of mistakes, and you're in these G five conferences. However, you know, it's it's the longevity that really plays. I mean, what what really makes made Alabama a, such a powerhouse all these years? It was the fact that like, you know, Jalen Hurts could go down, and they got two attack of Aloha in the chamber ready to go. And so a lot of these uh, schools uh, on the G5 level, that's what kind of hurts them, especially come like the later part of the schedule because they don't have the same depth. Yes, their starting 11 might be just as good as anyone else in their conference, but by the time it gets down to it, Alabama's already on their second uh, round of, you know, guys have been baking, uh, uh, waiting and, you know, waiting for this opportunity and, uh, that that's not what a lot of these schools have, and, and and there's no real regulation upon it or anything like that. But ultimately, you know, that's what I think is going to hold back a lot of these schools. I think BYU is going to be the only one that can, you know, muster up uh, enough to compete. But outside of that, I don't think Houston, nor Cincinnati or UCF are going to have it for the long haul. I was going to mention that I think BYU. I don't, I don't think BYU is going to win the conference. Uh, year yeah, one or BYU year two, school, I mean, but like, but I think BYU they, they pretty singularly well. they, they travel they well. They have a national team. fan base and they are pretty good. I mean, they have the depth. Yeah, and, and, and you know I've, I've heard only good things about BYU, and that might be because they're all Mormon out there. I but um, I, I mean, I've heard going to Provo like they they give the entire uh, uh, visiting section. Uh, like their famous ice cream that is out there, which I heard is to die for. And, and I heard only good things about him. Well, hey, I mean, ew, I, I have no qualms with BYU or BYU fans. I've got no problems there. I've never met a BYU fan. That's, um, But, hey, I mean, I think that they have the capability to be successful. And I think that UCF, even just year one, I think UCF can uh, can kind of make some waves. I mean, yeah, I they returned pl- they returned Plumley. Um, Plumley did great. They beat Tulane once, and the only reason that they didn't beat Tulane the second time in the championship was because Plumley was out. Yeah, yeah. Um, UCF typically competes, um, and they've definitely made a name for themselves in 2017. Um, I was excited that we got uh, the, as a, uh, a Big 12 member. We got them. Um, I think the only thing that would make me happier is, you know, if we, we got someone who already has a name for themselves because I, I don't really necessarily enjoy adding uh, these these schools that are so far away, Just and that might just be my personal preference preference or regionalized. But I think UCF is very deserving, and, you know, if, if we could snag, you know, some sort of bigger name school from an already Power 5 established deal, you know, I, I think that would really help us out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what uh. Big 12's treasure is another man's ruin. So yeah. I think for the yeah. Big 12 to do that would require the ACC or the Pac-12 to really go under. And it's not like the Big 12 is going to pick up the whole conference. So anytime you take in a Pitt or a Syracuse or one of those teams, 
you'll you kind of leave a lot of people in dust. So I, I I see why as a Big Twelve fan, um, I mean you want that, but I mean just looking at it logistically and for the sake of the game, I I couldn't wish for it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's gonna like I said, I think it'll be an interesting reshuffle and and it'll be definitely enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah, I I I think. You know, like the SEC said that they're they're good. They they've had they have enough people as it is. Um, that that's what they're excited to look forward to. Um, Big Ten's kind of the same way, but I I think within the next two to three years it'll it'll be like a good shuffle for the next you know, ten years following. Yeah, and uh, well, moving on a little bit to arguably the most important part of Oklahoma State's 2023 bedlam. This is this is a this is a good Oklahoma team. What's happening? Uh, no, they're not a good Oklahoma team. They were supposed to be a, a national championship team last year. After everything they told me all over social media that you know Venable's coming in and, and he's he's going to kick some ass and what is their worst season in twenty five years? <laughs> oh, fair. I mean, hey, um, someone tried to tell me on social media the other day that Jackson Arnold uh, is going to be better than Caleb Williams. That's going a bit far. Yeah, well, that's, that's their preference. I mean, you know, that, and they, they live in, in – listen, I'm, I'm really hard on the Sooners because um, I, I have to hear it all the time. You know, they, yeah, they, no, they, fair they, enough. I get all it. The time. But, you know, they, they told me all last season, oh, you know, uh, uh, Lincoln Riley is a quitter. We don't need him. And Caleb Williams, best of luck to him. They can have fun out there. We're going to kick ass. And so far, if you look at the divorce, it's looking like Lincoln Riley's winning it. I mean, what, they, they got – Caleb Williams, who immediately won a Heisman, they went to a conference championship game, and sure, they lost to Tulane, right? Okay, well, well what did Oklahoma do? Because if, if they weren't the name Oklahoma, they wouldn't have been playing in the damn Cheez-It Bowl with FSU. I mean, they, they're, I, I couldn't imagine them being any better than they were this last year. I, a lot of people have a lot of expectations, but they had those expectations last year too. Man, um, they, and they, they're so delusional because at the end of it, they're like, well, this is the rebuild year. And I'm like, weren't you the same people tell me y'all are going to win the national championship? Yeah. I mean, they came in uh, 22nd, I believe, on the pod poll. So the only poll that matters, by the way. Sense. I, I, I couldn't imagine why someone would be voting for them. They're, uh, uh, they're, their win total is let me see here nine and a half. If you're not hammering the under, I mean that that's free money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think they have potential. I mean, all things considered, I I see it. I don't know what you see, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, man, it's just just like last year. I mean, are are we really saying that they've done anything instrumental? I mean that. They're, well, what have they they really gained? I mean, what, one of their uh, – they just lost a three-star recruit that was supposed to commit to a JUCO. You know, I mean, I, I think all hell's uh, broken loose, and you don't really see the truth of it until the end of the very last game. And then about 30 minutes after, they're like, all right, well, next year we got it. It's like, what the hell are we doing? All Anyways, valid points. Anyways, we lose that game because <laughs> – It doesn't matter what the fuck we do, man. It's fucking annoying. I, I cannot stand it. I, I mean, we, we should have won this last year, um, but we didn't. And, you know, I, we, we have the satisfaction of saying they had a losing record to finish the year, and they have the satisfaction of saying they beat us. And, yeah, it sucks. Um, but ultimately, you know, the, I, 
I think that it, as the last Bedlam ever, it's going to be a crazy stadium. If it's anything like the 2021 uh, Bedlam game that we had, you know, that was the best sports environment I've ever been to. And, you know, I've sat courtside at Dallas Mavericks games. I've been 50-yard line Dallas Cowboy playoff games. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to the Daytona 500, you name it, and nothing beats that 2021 uh, Bedlam game. Um, and, you know, I, I think the most comparable I've ever seen it since then is the backyard brawl that I watched through the TV. I mean, the fans actually gave a shit in that. And, and that's kind of how it was in 2021, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I was there. Um, it, it, it was some. Though I will say, um, I think that that backyard brawl was not the most electric atmosphere that I've seen in Heinz Field. Were you going to refer to a Steelers game? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say um, uh, the Penn State game in 2016. Oh, damn, yeah, no, that, that was a pretty electric environment. Yep. I have never, and maybe it was uh, just my uh, uh, perception at the time because it was coming off of a few pretty bad years, so I, I wasn't used to seeing people. But uh, just I've never heard as loud a noise as i heard when they made that pick i mean the it my eardrums felt like they were just gone and it i will say west virginia was a great environment throughout but i think penn state moment by moment had better yeah um and you gotta remember like especially with that being like an in-state deal like um the, a lot of those Penn State grads that probably have jobs in Pittsburgh or you know, family, whatever it may be. So, I mean, get, getting together like that for something so close, uh, I mean, same thing as Bedlam, you know. It's, oh, yeah. It's, we, we all live in the same area. So, and it's not that hard of a drive where most of our alumni live in DFW. And it, it's, it's easy to pack that stadium. And, and you know, it, it's, you know, moments like that that make you realize how great of a sport college football is because no NFL stadium is getting that loud. Yeah, it's and I love in-state rivalries. I love rivalries in general, and the fact that Bedlam is kind of getting put to bed is tragic. I mean that that's terrible. Yeah, and you know it's it's funny because how that it works is like you know they so essentially, and I don't know, I've kept up you are on this, but um, essentially. OU and Texas went behind the Big 12's back, didn't tell anyone, and made an agreement with the SEC to, to switch conferences come 2025. Now, they ended up buying out later on. However, it was a Texas A&M uh, reporter was the one who uncovered the story uh, in relation to the University of Texas trying to embarrass them or whatever it may be. And uh, Oklahoma was like, well, you know, uh, are we going to keep Bedlam going? And it's like, well, no, we're booked through 2039, and y'all went behind our back. Y'all never once mentioned Bedlam. You never once thought about how great of a rivalry you thought it was. And listen, they, they kick our ass just about every year. So, I mean, it, it's easy for them to be delusional and say, oh, well, they don't want to play us. They're, they're too afraid to play us. And it's like, y'all are the ones leaving. Like, how, how are we the ones telling y'all no? We, we're booked up. Y'all would have told us. Maybe we could have figured something out. But we're not here to cater to you, if that makes sense. No, I'm, I get it. And it, it still sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, long and the short of it, it's. Uh, it, but yeah, no, I mean, the fact that they 
Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 is a mistake. I truly believe. And yeah. Oklahoma and Texas, I think they're going to make more money now. Well, um, they are. And, and but the, the problem is you can't be successful in the SEC in the way that you can be in the Big 12. In the Big 12, if you become a national caliber team that's uh, perennially competing for a, the national title, I mean, you are dominant. But if you're yeah. in the SEC and you do that, there's four teams just as good as you. Yeah, um, and you know, you you got to remember, like Texas A and M was is is a big reason that a lot of this happened. And, and I I use Texas A and M as a reference. Um, one of my first years at Oklahoma State on my first podcast, um, saying that you know they they got tired of being called little brother, and and you know the the Big Twelve we we didn't get our own uh, uh, channel. Whereas the Big Twelve channel, we had the Texas Longhorns Network. Right. And we're, a lot of us were upset about that. And Texas A&M said, hey, we want our own network. We have a bigger alumni base and, and you know, we, we compete with Texas every year. And Big 12 was like, no, fuck you. So they said, you know what? To hell with everyone. We're going to go to the SEC. And now they're the largest revenue stream and have the largest seating capacity for the SEC. And so I used to use them as a flagship for Oklahoma State. And I mean, ultimately, Texas hasn't done great since Texas A&M left. Now, is that a true relation? I don't know. But a lot of these kids rather go get the SEC badge and play in College Station. That way, they get bigger airtime, and you know they they can point the finger to to Texas. And Texas finally said, you know what? Well, we can make more money. We want to play Texas A and M every year. And OU basically is just following them with uh, like a damn dog. Obviously, yeah, I'm, pass- I'm passionate about OU. <laughs> oh no, I I understand. Um, I mean, I I. I personally have experience with a rival that's afraid to play you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it's I, the whole Texas leaving. Texas leaving, I think, makes sense. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't like it, but I mean, they should play Texas. A&M. No, they, they, they shouldn't. And, you know, I, I think it was a lot better with uh, Texas A&M in the Big 12 because you know, we, we got the Texas Tech A&M, and like all the teams played in Texas, Oklahoma, or Kansas, you know, here, Iowa, and then fucking West Virginia. But but ultimately, I mean, it makes sense if, if I'm a Texas fan, you know, I'd rather see Texas play Alabama, Texas A&M, Arkansas, you know, who, who cares if you're playing Iowa State and Kansas now, those are great extremes, but at the same time, they're not losing much, and they're actually gaining a lot with money, revenue, and you know, things like that. So I, I don't blame them. It's just hysterical to watch OU because I mean, Texas would already be in the SEC if it weren't for OU. OU didn't have enough money, and they were asking Texas to help a little bit with the buyout. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it if I'm a Texas fan. Uh, you know, I'm, I might just go ahead and throw 100 bucks just talking to you this long about OU. I might just throw 100 bucks on the under for their win total. <laughs> hey, do it. I'm not going to stop you. Well, I guess I shouldn't say do it because I don't want to be responsible for you losing a hundred bucks if it came to that. Obligation. I'll be uploaded. I'm recording everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, Oklahoma, man. Uh, I, 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 my Oklahoma podcast is going to get uh, is going to be very unhappy with this episode. Yeah, but, man, they're, they're uh, like green eggs and ham to me. I do not like them here. There. Yeah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> No, I mean, but the thing about Oklahoma, 
is just for Texas it makes sense. Texas, you want to play Texas A&M. You want to play at a higher level. You want that extra revenue. You have the base where you can do it. Oklahoma, you should play Oklahoma State, plain and simple. But you should play Texas too. But you can choose to still play Texas. If you talk to Texas, you can stay in the Big 12 and just schedule them out of conference for a 10-year series. benefits from that enough for them to care. And, you know, Texas is a, is a huge brand, if not the biggest brand in college football. And, you know, I, if I'm Texas, I'm, I, I don't really want to play Oklahoma State. They've beaten us once at home since 2010. I mean, and, and we're working on a percentage of their budget. And so, like, I, if I'm Texas, I'm like, I'd rather go to the SEC, get more revenue, and play these other schools. And, you know, hell with Oklahoma State. And, you know, I, I had a lot of friends that were Texas fans. And, you know, I, my father was a University of Texas fan. And, yeah, you know, I have no problem with with uh, Texas wanting to do that. I mean, it sucks for Oklahoma State, but well, well I'm saying Oklahoma. I think it makes no sense for Oklahoma. Yeah, and and you know, o- Oklahoma, it, it's going to turn into a shut up and just play situation, kind of like Texas A and M in Texas. Yeah, um, it's just a question of how long does it take, which is unfortunate because from experience, it can take. A long, long time with, uh, say, Pitt and West Virginia. I mean, how many years was that between the um, Big East breaking and them finally scheduling each other again? I can tell you, it was. Uh, let me see here. Uh, it's 2011 was the last time y'all played before 2022, so 11 years. 11 years. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be 11 years between no. that, and it shouldn't be 11 years between Bedlam. But I, I, it could be, and it probably more likely than not will be. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and it is going to turn into a little bit. Of, the same thing is turned into between Texas, Texas, and it's going to turn into, uh, you know, they're afraid to play us. No, they're afraid to play us, and you know, it, it's, it's because why, why would you stick out your hand? It's, it's, it's almost like, like a testosterone break on, like, oh well, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go reach out. I'm not going to call them first, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. well, why, why bother making that phone call? It makes you look weak. And and I think that's what, you know, is going to happen. And and as an Oklahoma State fan who has a dog in this fight, because, you know, outside looking in on Texas, Texas A&M, it's like, shut up, just play. But as an Oklahoma State fan and, you know, someone who, who does a lot for the university, you know, I, I think to hell with OU. If they, if that's the way they want to act and they want to go behind our back and, you know, they don't want to mention how great of a rivalry is then, well, then – you know what? Best of luck to you in the SEC. You know, don't let the door hit you. Fair enough. Now, uh, as we reach our closing minutes here, I do want to uh, yeah, you're gonna wrap hit up you the with last three games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's hit the last three games here, and then I'll ask you some important questions. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, so you get at UCF, at Houston. I think UCF is going to be a problem. I don't, but down this this far down the stretch, maybe that's not. That's my thing. Is these last three schools, and like I've been preaching, is like depth is going to be an issue for all of them, and I, I think that's where Oklahoma State will prevail. And and I don't think, like I said in the very beginning, is you know we couldn't have had a family member working for the Big Twelve scheduling to to make it this perfect for us. And then beyond that, getting BYU at home, them being the hardest of them, that's that's a pretty good closer. Exactly. And overall, what do you think the floor is for OSU this season? What do you think the ceiling is? 
yeah. Um, how are we played? Twelve games now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, God, man, it's like I have to be like realistic without drinking the orange Kool Aid. I mean, with well, this- I mean, the the best thing about floor and ceiling is that you can be realistic and then you can be idealistic. Yeah. Um, well, the ceiling. Um, I mean, I would have man like ten and two if you're looking at the schedule just straight up with with schools such as like OU, Kansas State, and you know, a, a possible BYU at the very end. I mean, those those would be like the most better. So I mean, I'd say ceiling's about ten and two, but then. The floor, I mean, as long as if, if we're not healthy and, and we're just not figuring it out, I mean, we, we could lose, I want to say four, but I mean, I don't see who else we'd lose to outside of Kansas State, OU, or BYU. But I, I'll, I can say oh eight and four. Yeah, hey, not a, not a season to laugh at. It, it's so laid out for us that I'm, I'm, it doesn't concern me too much. It's a good spot to be in, um, and I th- I do think Oklahoma State's in a very good spot going forward, and right now, this season, and in the seasons to come. I mean, Oklahoma State is one of those teams to really watch out for. I'm, my, I'm a true believer in Mike Gundy. Uh, I am sure that the vast majority of Oklahoma State fans probably are, too. Um, I love Mike Gundy. I mean, just as an outside observer looking in, Mike Gundy's awesome. the best. Yeah, he's a hell of a coach, man. Um, he's, he's a really good guy, too. Uh, you know, obviously worked with the athletic program and things like that. And, you know, he's he's always been good to me. Um, he's always helped me out. Uh, I got nothing bad to say about Mike Gundy. And, you know, he, he typically surprises everyone by the end of the season. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good coach to have. Now, I do have four very important questions questions that any person who follows college football in any capacity just their home team or all of it or just watches a game now and then they have to have an answer to these and if they don't have an answer to these i mean gosh they better find some because until then i don't respect them as a college football fan yeah and you can take as much time as you need to really think about it try and think out loud fill that space but these are important, and your answer has to be right, period. Yeah. You ready? Yep. All right. Now, this first one's a tough one. What was the best moment for you as a college football fan, whether that be your just highest high that you felt or just the greatest passionate feeling that you've gotten going into or coming out of a game? Uh, yeah, for uh, college football, um, we talked a little bit earlier about 2021 Bedlam. Uh, that game was pretty electric because it, it was kind of getting the monkey off of our back uh, with Lincoln Riley following, um, heading out. That was really cool. Um, that, that was probably the best in-person um, moment. I mean, it, it was just electric, you know, night game. Uh, every all the, all the stars aligned. You know, a lot of my fa- friends were on the – football team um yeah i i've just gotten tyree kill on my podcast uh, a couple weeks before i mean everything was kind of lined up right so that that was that was a really really cool moment um and followed by that would probably be like a 2014 tcu versus baylor um i actually uh not only was at that game it was raining um but uh, i snuck in i was oh man 2014 i was uh 16 17 years old 
And I snuck into the press conference afterwards and interviewed Gary Patterson on live television. Um, so that, that was pretty cool uh, because I didn't realize that I could actually do that, um, obviously. But it, it made me realize that I loved college football and that's what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So you snuck in and did an interview? Yeah, uh, there's a tweet about it somewhere. Um, you can see like, oh, this this kid got kicked out of the um, kicked out of the press press conference. He was actually a TCU student. That was actually a lie. I was still in high school, um, but I I walked in there because with my stepdad going to uh, being in the Hall of Fame at TCU, I, I uh, knew the ins and outs pretty well. You know, I'd, I'd go and do the tours and go play around at the field, um, whatever it may be. So I already kind of knew the ins and outs. And, uh, yeah, I snuck in. God, I wish I could find the tweet. But, um, yeah, my mom's calling me on live television. That was pretty funny. Um, but I asked Art Brow or I asked Gary Patterson why he didn't shake Art Brow's hand after. And because uh, I thought that would be, like, the best question that no one from ESPN or anyone would ask. And uh, he told me he couldn't find him. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. All right. But he shook hands with me afterwards because um, security grabbed me. Uh, Gary Patterson stopped them after they just had probably the best season in TCU's history. Um, he, he came over and shook my hand, and he said, that was a hell of a question. And I said, I appreciate it, sir. And he goes, get the hell out of here. I was like, absolutely. That's, that's a pretty amazing moment. I'll give that to you. <laughs> All right, but you're only a quarter of the way through. Talk to me. The gauntlet still going. And to every coin, there's two sides. What is the worst moment that you have felt as a college football fan? Yeah. Um, so following Bedlam um, 2021, we lost the Big 12 championship game. Um, that It was a, the one-yard short play. Uh, that one felt like a good kick in the night. I don't think I talked to anyone for a good 10 minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I said a prayer. I'm a holy man. I said a prayer. Um, and, you know, I – I'm really good friends with uh, Spencer Sanders, uh, former starting quarterback now, uh, probably starting quarterback over at Ole Miss. Um, and I talked to him a little bit. You know, he threw four interceptions, and and a lot of people were hounding him on social media. And and obviously, I, I have a pretty good following for Oklahoma State social media. And, you know, I, I tried to help him out the best he can. Um, but but that was pretty gut-wrenching. Um, it, it, growing up a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, unfortunately, um, I had a lot of bad moments, but uh, I didn't think anything could hurt as bad as like knowing majority of the guys in that field and hanging out with majority of the guys in that field and them helping me out as much as they can. And then, you know, we're one yard short of bringing home a, a piece of hardware. Yeah, I, I was watching that. Um, I remember I was at the ACC championship game and I was watching it on the big screen at from a little bit outside of the fence of the big tailgate that they had that the uh, actual championship game was sponsoring and i saw it on the really big jumbotron and i was just like oh so yeah i yeah. understand that yeah no I, I definitely hear you on that um now who was your favorite player and this can be oklahoma state player or just player in general and you um, can define favorite however you want yeah, uh, if we're talking about players that I actually got to, like, see, and, you know, uh, one of the big parts that I hate, uh, and I shouldn't say I hate it, but um, one of the biggest cliches about being an Oklahoma State fan is, like, anytime you talk about, uh, you're, you know, all-time great Oklahoma State players, it's undisputed. Um, and then and the conversations are – you can talk about Barry Sanders a lot, and there's never a bad conversation that revolves around Barry Sanders. But 
Um, yeah, it, it's tough because there, there's no arguments there um, and there's no context really because it, it, it ends there. Um, however, uh, the best player that I saw that was, that was super electric um, live was probably RG3. I uh, loved watching RG3 play. I was a big Andy Dalton fan. Um, I loved Vince Young, but I was kind of young. Um, and Colt McCoy was, I was a huge Colt McCoy fan growing up. Actually, my, uh, my youngest uh, stepbrother, um, his name's Colton, uh, but he was named after Colt McCoy. And I, I loved Colt McCoy growing up. Oh, man. All right. So you're three quarters of the way through so yeah. far. You're, uh, you're getting to 75%. So let's hit that last 25. What is your favorite rivalry? And this can be your favorite Oklahoma State rivalry. Again, your favorite rivalry in all of college football. Heck, you could do your favorite rivalry in professional too, but I would frown upon it and you wouldn't get full credit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really liked the backyard brawl this last year. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Farmageddon, uh, Iowa State. Uh, Kansas State, uh, I, I love, I have to watch that game every year. Um, Bedlam's obviously a huge must for me. Um, we've talked about it a lot, but I grew up watching Texas play Texas A&M. Um, God, TCU Baylor, uh, they're just so petty. I mean, you know, TCU's uh, new Jumbotron uh, is one foot bigger or one inch bigger than Baylor's. So I absolutely love that. But yeah, I mean, man, I mean, college football is just packed with so many great rivalries that it's kind of hard to 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 part hairs on on what what's better than another, if that makes sense. But ultimately, I mean, I, I loved going to Texas versus Texas A&M as a kid. So I, I'd, I'd probably go with that. All right. I, I was worried there for a second that I'd have to uh, chastise you for your lack of an answer. But you came out you on top. You landed it. So, hey, thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, uh, I hope all the best for Mike Gundy and this Oklahoma State Cowboys team in 2023. I think that they can do it. You think they can do it. They probably will do it. So uh, shout out your socials, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter uh, uh, at OKSTPROBS. Um, Spotify uh, is... Uh, uh, the probs cast. And then uh, if you want to follow my personal, it's at Keaton at real underscore K E A T O N I T R E A L underscore. Um, but yeah, man, no, it's, it's been an absolute honor. I'm glad that we could finally get this done. Um, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. And uh, to all your listeners, you can check out the Podpole cast Twitter at Podpole cast or the Podpole Twitter at Podpole complicated i know or you can check out our website at podcasterpoll.com for some great articles that i write myself whenever i'm at work or just to keep up to date with us you can always get in contact with us um we're very open to anyone trying to get in touch with us and we're very responsive so thank you for listening and we'll see you next time